street epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. You can learn more about street epistemology at streetepistemology.com. Let's not forget the one, the only notorious Ben Diesel. Ben Diesel, what's up? Ah, hey. oh, so good to be here, guys. Dude, I was so taken aback the first time that I saw the acronym for loser. I'm like, what's <laughs> happening? The streets of epistemology tweeted it out, and like, why is Anthony calling us losers? <laughs> and I get it. Yeah, it's all just good a, one time. It's a weird sense of humor that I got, but. Hey, it's what makes us lovable on the inside. Speaking of lovable, there's nothing I love more than talking about what we've been up to since the last show in a segment I like to call Ben Lindas and Ty's Excellent Weekend. Awesome. So, Linda, how was your weekend? Oh, um, by my... the way, sorry, sorry, not to interrupt, but let's do a theme of today called the themes of this excellent weekend will be called Let's Make a Deal. In Let's Make a Deal, we talk about awesome deals that we had, and we can't have Let's Make a Deal without this amazing music. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Linda, how was your excellent weekend? Thank you. Yes, it was excellent. And um, the thing is, I've been stuck in Helsinki for three weeks. I was supposed to drive up to Lapland on the 5th. Three weeks ago, let's put it that way. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't leave um, initially due to uh, losing a family member. And after that, um, my car wouldn't start. So then I was like, just stuck. But then my husband came to me and said, Linda, we need to get you to Lapland. Let's go buy a car. What? Yeah. What? Okay. Awesome. And he told me actually to tell you that he loves me. This is why he did it. Aww. I wanted to add that in the story because I asked him if it was okay. And, um, <laughs> yeah. So, and we got a super deal. We got a, a car. It's 18 years old, but it's got a new battery. It's got an engine that works and sounds really nice. It like it functions, and it only cost us 750 euros. What? That's that like 14,000 dollars. I have no idea how the conversion works. It's about 700 bucks or some. How does euros convert to USD? Just for the American I audiences out there. I think the euro is slightly stronger, but not much. So it's pretty much equivalent. Hey, that's the not same. bad for a car. Yeah. that's really really great. That's a deal. I'm excited. Ben, let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. Um, so Rihanna had a lot of achievements last week. She uh, she is now an uh, instructor at her pole dancing studio, which is awesome. Something she's been working at for a long time. Wow. And she got her first job offer since she graduated. So I took her out for, for dinner. And here in South Africa, every dinner is a deal because our currency <laughs> is terrible. <laughs> so 
<laughs> we went to such a nice restaurant. That's our favorite place here in Centurion. Um, great, great sushi, good wine. And it cost us, for both of us, it was less than 40 bucks. So it was a good night. For both That's of you guys, good... it costs less than 40 bucks at a sushi place? Like to get a sushi <laughs> place with wine, coffee, what? That's the awesome. works. That's awesome. That's so cool. I thought you were going to say it was a deal because the food in South Africa is so good. That no matter what it costs. Oh, that's that's true as well. Now this isn't like a you know mom's and pop store. Somebody cutting up some tuna from a can, sticking mm. it into rice. This was right. really good food. Very nice. I feel like whenever I walk out of a sushi place the next day and there's no problems inside of Tyrone, I win no matter what. That's a deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got my deal going on. It's also food related. I went to a uh, Mexican store or Mexican food place called uh, Don Senor. They got this challenge called a monster burrito that me and some of my coworkers are preparing for. It is a burrito made out of four different tortillas just overlapped each other and you roll into like one giant one. It's about maybe three feet long and as thick as my head. And you're supposed to eat all that within an hour. And if you do it, they put you on their Facebook page. You still have to buy the food, but it's so much food, it's crazy. I went ahead and got one early on because I said I can buy it now, get a gauge of the size, and see what the lunch was like. But the thing is, inside the store, because I'm in Kentucky, there's like very few Mexicans here. <laughs> so instead of getting like the food in proportion of what you would get at a typical burrito place, they're just like, you want some meat on it? I'm like, yeah, yeah, put some meat. And they just load that thing with all the chicken, all the steak, and I'm like, that's a lot of meat that's going on here. This is out. This looks amazing. <laughs> this is like four four pounds worth of meat, like throughout this whole sandwich in each tortilla. It's like loaded. And I'm like, how much for extra meat? I just wanted to see what they said. And this is like forty cents. <laughs> they said forty cents. I'm like, put more meat on it. So like this thing is loaded, and I'm like bringing it back home. I'm like, this is an amazing place. I can't. I love America so much. Anyway, I got through half of it. By the t in about like maybe a half hour, I feel like I could finish it, but I was literally at 50 50. Any food that makes me full is like the best food, period. Like, I am so happy with that food, anyway. Though, uh, that is <laughs> my deal. Oh, by the way, it cost uh $16.99 to get that burrito, one burrito costs seven dollars, so like that's cheaper. The monster burrito is actually cheaper in and at whole than any one single burrito by itself, and that's a deal. <laughs> anyway, what we're going to be doing today for the show is talking about one of the videos that I uploaded or will be uploading later on this week. It was at the ARC protest, and we're getting ready for me to be uploading most of the conversations that I had there, including some with some pretty famous uh, atheists, including Arun Ra, Arun Ra and uh, I'm hoping that Everything works out well. We're going to be talking with one of the ladies today, or I'll show you one of the conversations I had with one of the ladies there. But before we get into that, let's get into a one of my favorite uh, uh, segments of the show called Where is the Love? Where is the Love? Where is the Love? The Love. Anyway, hey, <laughs> Linda, where's the love today? Oh, yes. Um... The Where is the Love segment is where we read feedback that we get um, from our previous shows. And um, we got some last week. And um, it is Ingot, Ingot 40 oh. uh, once again says, 
Anyway, great leaguing again, guys, albeit somewhat jumpy in the video. Right. Yeah. Apologize to everybody. We've been having CPU problems, um, <laughs> aka crappy computer. Linda, get a new one. Uh, but we're working on that. Also, um, we uploaded a new version of that episode that's audio only, that has no skips, and you're free to check that out. That's also the version that's uploaded on the podcast format that Anthony puts up. So feel free to check those out, and we'll now have more backups in the future. But thanks for sticking with us. Yeah. Um, and then Alan S.E. from Spain says, oh, my God, did not see this. I'm oh, not sorry. He just says, oh, my. <laughs> 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 I sneaked in a god there. I did not see this. Thanks, Super Curious, for letting me know in your live. So that was Alan S.E. from Spain that you also talked about in that uh, um, podcast or that show. Hey, Alan, what's so. up? Hello, Alan. So nice of you to be watching. Yeah. That was the lab for this week. Vamos to old Alan releasing some videos. He's a Spanish-speaking uh, uh, SEer, and he's uh, in, Spain, in Spain, and he's pioneering that area, and wish him the best of luck. Keep at it, man. All right. I mean, it's wonderful that the um, SE community is like, growing, or there are more people trying it, more people learning it, more people uploading it. Yeah, it's becoming a whole worldwide yeah. affair. Anyway. It's exciting. Oh, I think we should mention that the SE Discord while we're at it. Oh, yeah, why not? Ben, oh, yeah. That's all you. That's tech stuff. <laughs> so anybody who doesn't know Discord yet, stop being terrible millennials. <laughs> uh, it's it's a, a service where you can have your own voice chat rooms. Um, so one was set up for the AC community by a guy named AJ. Thank you so much, AJ. He's done a, a lot of good work, put a, a lot of blood and sweat into it. And there, uh, a lot of the AC enthusiasts are hanging out. You can meet Reed, Anthony, pretty, pretty much anybody who's active in the AC community. Have some discussions. Have yourself AC'd. And it's just a lot of fun. So uh, whoever's interested, we'll post a link in our video descriptions. And come hang out with us. It'll be great to meet you there. Yeah, I was playing a video game uh, yesterday. It's uh, Steven Universe Save the Light. Great game, but... While I was playing the game, I was just hanging out in the Street Epistemology Discord. I wasn't talking. I was just listening in. And there's always bound to be really good conversations around the evening of just friends coming in. Maybe just like a guy who's curious about it and like another SEer. And they're just having a conversation about philosophy. And they're just having like a really fun time picking each other's brains. And it's just a really interesting thing to listen to while you're doing other stuff too. And you can have it on your phone or your computer. Like you can take it on the go wherever you want. If you like that kind of stuff, check out Street Epistemology's Discord group. We'll put the link in the description. How about that? Cool. So Sounds yes. good. Ben, how about you introduce the bit of the show before we get into the meat and potatoes? The bit of the show... Uh... Basically, we pick a category, and whoever can sneak in a word from that category scores a point. If they get called out, then the guy who calls them out wins the point. Mm -hmm. We've been doing this for a while, so uh, <laughs> just to, to make things fair and get everybody on the on the same ground here, because Ty is very, very sneaky at this game, <laughs> uh, we've got something called the stinker card. So a stinker card, somebody picks a word which they think is going to be played 
somewhere in the episode. Mm -hmm. And if somebody says that word and the person who wrote the stinker card hears it, they can call them out and win two points. Right. So, yeah, that's the bit. And our, our category for this week is fruit. Fruit. Linda was very excited about it. I don't know why. I know my fruit. <laughs> it's my favorite breakfast. Always has been. Fruit. Nice. Galore. Okay. Okay. So uh, we're gonna need to show the sneaker cards to the audience. I'm not. I. We can't look at each other's cards. So how about we do it no. one at a time or everybody at once? But you can't look at the camera. This is just for the video guys. Okay. So everyone's looking I'm away. Okay. Show your sneaker card. This, this is the card that if we say, Can you show mine? yeah, you both show up. My eyes you are closed. Now we put them down. No one's showing the card anymore. We're good. Did yeah. you see mine? Mine's no, down. I didn't. Okay, great. No, put your card down. Put your card down. Okay, everyone's good. Oh. So, uh, no, I meant like. So the thing is, if anyone says the name of someone else's stinker card, that person with the stinker card gets two points. They, they they take the point and they get an extra point. And it's a great way to keep everyone up. All right. Um, okay. I think we're pretty good. Are we all feel good? We're ready to lock this vault. Fruits? Yeah. All right. Get it ready. It. Let's come on. Help me out. We got to get this thing closed. Come on, guys. Come on. Hold on. Three, two, all, all at once. Come on. We can do this. Believe in ourselves. We're the losers. Ugh. Whoa. Good job, guys. Losers. Ah, that was a lot. I think Linda I need to take a quick little break. That's some crazy vault closing. <laughs> anyway, um, so again, this video that we're going to go over today is um, a vid that I did at the ARC Encounter protest. The ARC Encounter is this um, supposedly or allegedly, they claim to, to it to be a one-to-one -one model of the uh ark noah's ark and um i the reason why people were protesting there is because the hiring practices and the business practices weren't really you know uh suitable or reputable they would for example not hire you if you weren't a christian they would take out money from your paycheck in order to fund the museum because it's losing money and they took a lot of taxpayer money and uh so state money was used to build something that's inherently very religious um, there's like other smaller things, like how they classify the building as not a building, but like as something else in order to pay less taxes on it. And the guy is making his money back, even if it sinks to the ground. So like, it's kind of like an unfortunate situation. So a lot of people, uh, went over to protest. They do it annually. And, um, a, I met a lot of atheists there as well as Christians. And I'll be uploading these videos once a week, um, of some of the conservative Christians that were there counter, uh, uh, protesting and some of the ACEs that were there as uh, protesting the bad hiring practices and the overall state, uh, the, the business practices that were um, done at the Ark Museum. This lady that I was talking to, her name was Melissa, and she had a wonderful little daughter with her. Um, I'm going to close this message and start the video. Oh, those glasses are so cute. Yeah, if you see it for the podcast <laughs> listeners... Just to describe Melissa, she looks like a really awesome mom. She has like purple hair, uh, glasses. Her daughter looks, is very shy, but she looks like a very small version of her uh, with, uh, I, go, I would say, normal colored hair. Anyway, um, here we go. 
gonna hit play. Why not? Because why would you want it to be more pleasant for everybody? It's like if it's pleasant for everybody, it's pleasant for you. True. But if you're making people miserable, then would you feel a little bit miserable? I mean, I guess some people don't care if they make other people miserable. No, I think some people get off on it all the time some too. Some people do. But very, very few, and nobody likes those people anyway. My name's Ty. Okay. So what I normally do is I set up this little like sign and table in like parks or whatever, and I talk to people about whatever they want to talk about. Oftentimes I'll have like a religious person come up, Christian, Hindu, whatever, and they'll they'll try to like either explain their religion to me or like try to sell me on it. And I just ask questions to see if we can get to the foundation of what they believe. And oftentimes when we get back up from that foundation, they're not as confident in that belief anymore. <laughs> I'm an atheist, and I never really get an opportunity to talk to other atheists. So I thought, let me go to a place where... Just want to make a little point. There's Aaron Ra in the background. And then Seth Andrews walks... Uh, I think he might be the guy in the blue on the left-hand side. But it's kind of like a packed little affair. But again, just hanging out with these guys. And I also started my intro by explaining where I was religiously, which isn't really something I get an opportunity to do. And um, mm. it didn't have as much of a backfire effect as I thought. Because it helped to actually speed up the conversation to the more interesting parts of Essie. And, and I think might be a more interesting way of seeing if you can felicitate a good conversation. If you let people know where you're coming from. My, my only fear was that if I was saying I was an atheist to someone who had an idea of what atheist was. And it was the wrong idea. Um, mm -hmm. I would probably go a little bit more out of my way to explain what I meant when I said that. But she was an atheist too. And I think we were really on the same page. Anyway. Uh, okay. Cool. Keep it up. A bunch of atheists would be. Are, are you guys atheists? Yes. You are? Comfortable? With yep. A-word and everything? Oh, yeah. I've never done interviews with any atheists before. Would you mind if I ask you some questions about, like, atheists in general? How do you comment? What's your personal, like, transition into it? Um, well, I've never been religious. You've never been religious? No. Oh, what's your name, by the way? Melissa. Melissa. Nice to meet you. I'm Ty. Yeah, I... No, she's just shy. Oh, okay. No, she just, she just doesn't talk in front of people very much. She's just horribly, horribly shy. Okay, okay. What's her name? That's Cece. Cece, it's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you. Okay. Uh, I haven't done little sign language. My oldest, my oldest is autistic. Yeah? And when she was little, we used to do sign language. She didn't talk till she was past three. Oh, okay. So I used okay. to know baby signs. I nice. didn't know real sign language. My mom's deaf. So. I used to know more. And more? Like cookies yeah. And cookies, yeah. It's like, thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. So like I used to know a bunch of ones like that because she didn't talk, but she learned some sign language when she was little. Have you seen the YouTube videos of the sign language, sign language babies? Like there are babies that you can teach sign language. Well, yeah, very, she very did. Young. When she was a baby, she learned a lot of For it. For real, okay. Because she went to daycare too, and they taught a lot of that at daycare. That's incredible. So Melissa, yep, you were never you were never religious. No, my grandparents were. They were Catholic. I grew up in Boston, which okay. everybody's Catholic in Boston. I mean, not everybody, but everybody in my city was, like, Catholic. Okay, okay. But so I've pretty much been an atheist since I was little. Because I remember the first member, I really realized it when I was, like, in sixth grade or something. And one of the teachers was asking what churches everybody went to. Sure. Which you shouldn't be asking in school anyway, but again, everybody's Catholic, so. Everyone knows. And I was like, yeah. I don't go to church. And everybody's like, <gasps> and I'm like... What's what, the big is that deal? weird? I don't go to church. And then occasionally, my grandmother would talk my parents into sending us to Sunday school. And we'd go for a few months, and then we'd all get sick of waking up on Sundays. And then we'd stop going to Sunday school. Would you say then that you never had... A lot of the reasons why people are indoctrinated into religion and stay religious even when they realize that secular 
secularism kind of makes more logical sense is because they're weighted by like uh, guilt of fear or like sin. I think sins. it's fear and family, just history. If you're raised in it and you're taught, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. Yeah. Well, that's going to scare a kid. I was never raised with that because okay. my parents weren't religious. We lived in the same house as my aunt and uncle. They weren't religious. My cousins weren't religious. So, you know, which is funny because grand my grandmother was. She went to church the day she died. She was like, you know. Do you feel like you missed out on that whole emotional loop or roller coaster that most people? Yeah, because I didn't have to deal with it. It just made sense. I'm like, why would I believe in this? Nobody ever taught me to believe in it. It didn't make any sense. You might have to ask these questions then? Sure. So some classic, so I think people who are like theists might be interested in realizing how someone who's never had religion in their life determine what's a good thing from a bad thing or what will happen to them after they die. You want to just go over some like the basic stuff then? Like, I mean, it's just... What's a good action from a bad action? How do you determine It's the greater good. The greater good? It's not even a personal good good for the greater society, which I think people have gotten away from. Okay. Everybody's about what I want, what's best for me. It's like, no, it's what's best for everybody. Could you give me an example? It's a... Use food as an example. Why would food be an example? I don't know, because I like food. No, it's like, it's like, yeah, you know, I'd like to keep more of my money, but okay. I'd rather pay more taxes if it's going to make more people, if it's going to be benefit more people as universal health care and... It's like, yes, I make more money than a lot of people. So you're Take more of my money for taxes and make life better for everybody. You're saying you prefer to have more people be healthy than sick. Therefore, yeah. if I can pay a little bit of taxes to keep that... And it I'm helps totally everybody, yeah, that's better. Can I throw something out at you? And I'm, I, and like I say, I'm, I'm an atheist too. I just like to like challenge the ideas. And let me know if I'm taking too far. But um, there are people right now who need a kidney. I imagine you have two kidneys right now. I signed up to be a donor. I've never been matched with anybody. But you don't need two right now. No. You could give up one right now and give it to someone. Would you I make could. that a law? I mean, I wouldn't make it a law. I mean, something like that, that, that comes down to... Can I pause right here? I think it's a really interesting part. Um, so just as a quick review, Melissa was someone who's never been religious. Uh, she never had to face that kind of indoctrination. And so instead of... Ask, and I asked her, like, you know, do you need religion? Do you need that? She's like, no, because I'm all good. Everything's good. Everything's, I'm, I feel like I'm moral. I feel like I'm a good person. And I just don't feel like you need to have, believe in things for bad reasons. And I value all that stuff. So I switched the conversation more towards what's her moral foundation. Because a lot of people who are theists want to understand where atheists get their morals from or where they place those values in. Like, how do you tell a good action from a bad action? And the premise that I'm asking her now is like, what's the foundation or what's like the, the rule that you have or like the rules that you have to determine good things from bad things? And I think she said like, you should always do things to help people or always do things to like increase maximum uh, pleasure or happiness for people. And so those rules tend to be a little bit too simplistic, at least with not, those aren't necessarily the rules that we tend to follow in our social contracts because we value things like personal property or like the things that we own, you you don't you shouldn't have to give up half your money to help someone else, or at least like your kidney, for example, or like your, the home that you live in. And is as cruel as that might sound, I think we all agree that like we are, with exceptions, willing to help people be happier. But it shouldn't come at a, a consequence of like things like you know the health of our bodies or the rights that we have or personal property. Or um, there's always going to be limits. So I'm introducing the concept of the kidney example, which is you have two kidneys. Someone else needs one right now. You can keep them happy and alive if you give up one of your kidneys. Should it be a law 
that every single person that has two kidneys should give up their kidney to someone who needs it. And that begins to like play on the idea of, well, maybe it's not I should do things to make everyone happy. Maybe I should start doing things within limits to make people happy, which makes people think about the concept of why they value good things and bad things a little bit more. What do you guys think? I feel like I'm talking too much. <laughs> <laughs> My first thought here was um, why did you um, uh, say, want to emphasize that you were an atheist before you entered the moral question? Yeah, I rarely have the opportunity to do that, or I feel like I didn't have the opportunity to do it before my previous talks. And so at a convention where I knew there would be a lot like there's only one or two reasons why you're there in the first place. You're either a, a protester or a counter protester. And so I thought, let's just try it where I'm straight. I'm, I'm, I'm up front about where I'm at and then uh, use that as a way to engage people to talk about religion and less about like, you know, ancillary things. Like I, I'm going to say, like, I'm an atheist. Are you an atheist? Oh, you're not? Hey, could you, would you mind telling me about like why you're religious? Because I want to just have this, as an atheist, I want to have a really good conversation with you as someone who's religious. Or I'm an mm -hmm. atheist. Are you an atheist? Yeah. I've never really recorded two outspoken atheists talking to each other. Would you mind having a nice dialogue with that? And that way, if theists are watching us, they'll see two outspoken atheists have like a pleasant conversation about mm -hmm. um, morality or about politics or whatever that you want to have a conversation about to show that, you know, we're more than just a stereotype we're like mm. people that can have a productive conversation yeah i got that in the beginning but then you also emphasized it just before you took the conversation to the moral question mm. okay um you like you were i'm an atheist by the way <laughs> <laughs> so i was just so happy to be able to say that yeah yeah <laughs> I, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's important that you're able to speak to no matter what. Like, it's uh, – or you could speak to no matter what. Speak to no matter – speak to anyone you want no matter what, uh, whether you identify as, you know, religious or not. So um, – The thing that, yeah. that I've been kind of thinking about, um, if I speak to somebody who might be a theist – and I explain to them I'm doing this thing, streets epistemology, and we have the conversation. At first, they have no idea what it's about. At the end, they might in have enjoyed the conversation, say, this was very cool. Uh, can I get some more information? I give them my card. They can go look for streets epistemology. If they Google streets epistemology, base case scenario is they are, they are going to find a reference to uh, a manual for creating atheists. Right. So that's already going to have their heckles up. Mm. Worst case scenario, and this is like one of the top four results you get, they're going to land on capturing Christianity, which gives the argument that a treat epistemology is disingenuous, is dishonest, is a way to prey on people for their beliefs. Right. So what, what I've been thinking is uh, of trying to be much more direct and actually identifying myself as atheist, if somebody specifically wants to talk about religion. Right. And then to say to them, cool, uh, this technique is not about changing your mind. This technique is not about me trying to deconvert you. I really, I'm interested in understanding what you believe, because number one, it's, it's really interesting to me. And I am interested in helping you reflect on how you got to that position. So um, what I'm planning to do, and unfortunately the weather hasn't been playing with me, the last couple of weeks is going out and doing exactly that and telling my IL if they're open to it 
uh, I'm going to, to take you through this process and explain to you what each and every step, what the purpose is, what I'm trying to achieve. And while I'm doing that, I want you to do the same to me. So uh, I'll throw out a claim, even if it has to be, uh, let's say, strong atheism on a scale for a specific God, and they can challenge me on that. Because I think that might be uh, a very constructive exercise in getting them to see the value of actually asking these types of questions rather than them afterwards looking into the method and feeling maybe victimized. But aren't you there um, assuming that they will feel victimized? It's, it definitely I, also, is I, a, I just want to say uh, something there about the the value of being neutral, letting the questions mm, and whatever the belief the other person have speak for themselves. The value not of grouping being ourselves less ambiguous, less gray. People don't like uh, people can misconstrue that as uh, street epistemologists being a little bit more sneaky. And the more, I think Ben's point is like, the more that we can be more upfront about it, the less it looks like we're trying to hide something. And the more we can be open about like, actually, this is my religious background and I has nothing to do with this method that I'm using to talk to you right now. Mm. I, like, I do I, understand I, uh, Ben's point. I'm trying to bring up the point that um, I would not want to do today something based on a motivation that is a fear of something that I'm assuming that somebody might do, or even mm. a critique towards SE from somebody who does not understand it, um, especially if it will be at the cost of effective SE, if it is yeah. at the cost of effective SE. I'm not convinced that's the case. I'm just bringing up the point. Um, being neutral. To me, it's, I, I started wondering... Why so few people contact me back? So maybe maybe it's just, you know, a lot of people don't think about it afterwards. Maybe it's the conversations don't have such a big impact. But I definitely think that somebody looking into it, there is that possibility. And I'm not saying that uh, this should be the, the paradigm shift. This should be the way all of us approach it. I just thought it would be interesting to have examples of, of this, a bit of a different approach and seeing... Uh, that that neutrality, how much of a effect does it actually have? And if we go outside of it and do what exactly what Ty is doing here, put your biases on the table up front, right. uh, if you can still have a constructive conversation in spite of that. Yeah, I think it's uh, really interesting. I noticed when I went out now for the first time here in Finland with the filming stuff and all that, that now that I've been watching the material, I haven't yet edited anything, but I'm I'm on my way. I'm learning that whole part of it as well. But now that I've been watching it more times, I'm like, wait a second, does this... Because when I was in the situation, I thought the first lady um, was uh, saw me just as somebody asking questions, just very neutral, that it had nothing to do with religion. Mm. But now when I watch it again, I'm like oh, this is the point where she starts thinking I'm proselytizing something. Right. Oh. Yeah. And then I'm like, I need to get ideas of, yeah, yeah how to do this, putting my cards on the table. So at least that would not be a fear if, if you're not yourself bringing that, uh, you know, to the table. What, what exactly? Were really you getting a, a we, bit too excited that she was maybe seeing too much passion through this? Mm. Mm. Because it's a weird scenario to see someone with the table and microphones and being like, okay, what's going on here? Random conversations. Then you start the conversation and it's like, it can't just be the surface level intentions. What's beneath it? So like, I feel like if you're, if you are really upfront about it at the beginning, not just with where you're coming from, but like what your intentions are, what your goals are, the goals and intentions being the most important part, 
then people can come into it. And I also like the idea of use the subjects that the interview partners give you. Because if they say, hey, I like baseball, and somehow you translate that or you, you, mitigate, you, you migrate that into a conversation about religion and whether or not their God exists, that feels disingenuous. Like if they give you a subject, stick with the subject. But if they open up the doors to religion, then it's like, hell, whoa, this is what I love to talk about because this is where <laughs> I'm coming from. I would love to know where you're coming from, too. Can we please talk about that for a little bit? And yeah, Something which, which, which worked very well here, um, and you just, just did it at a perfect example of that in this video is uh, when you signed to a daughter and she immediately picked up that you were using ASL uh -huh. and that started a conversation and you could see her opening up because now that, that was such good rapport building. Um, something which I've seen in, a, in another video that I've watched is it was very weird. Uh, somebody spoke about their hair okay, and uh, I think it was one of Anthony's videos and he used that as a metaphor for her belief throughout and it was just like it it was weird it wasn't a very easy metaphor to follow but for her it, it grounded the conversation so much that at the end of it i was convinced that it actually made the difference for understanding what he was trying to convey so it's, it's good to pick up on those cues even if it's something baseball which might be completely unrelated to to the belief you're discussing but pulling that in uh, leveraging that interest that they might have to actually help them get what you're saying that much easier. Right. Cool. Um, awesome. So just as a review, um, we're talking about uh, a conversation that I had with a lady named Melissa. She is raised as a non-religious, so she never had a chance to like believe in, you know, like um, I don't know, gods, fair, hopefully not fairies or dragons. Um, fruit is the uh, what is it? Fruit is the um, bit word, and fruit doesn't count, right? Because I'm not claiming that, but I'm just saying that is it. <laughs> Currently, right now, we're about halfway through the video. I just want to make a point that I got two points so far. You guys didn't catch them yet. <laughs> if you want to catch up, just check out the chat because it's all there. We're still playing the game, but we'll get into the next half of the video. Guys got to get into it. All right, here we go. Here's the uh, bit. You could be personally really hurt by having that surgery. Mm. And yeah, that could help somebody else. It could save their lives. It could, but I think that's taking it too far as far as personal liberty. Okay, so there's, ah. there's, there's personal liberty, like you are in control of your own body. Nobody can tell you what to do with your body. I like that. So you value things that are not just necessarily good for the Commonwealth, but also personal things as well. Yeah. Personal gonna, property, that personal could hurt liberty. You. Like, sure. Yes, having less property could hurt you in a way like, oh, I have less fun, but it's like, it's not hurting you your whole life. Whereas you having a kidney coming out, you could have a complication that could destroy your life. Sure, but don't I also have a right to my own body parts and what I decide yeah. to do with them? Yeah, because that's your body. Yeah, it's my own body. I should it's be like, part of your body. Yeah, you need one, but this but is mine. But stop is stop, body is body. Or like, like, how do I put it? Um, my house is my house. Yes, people can live here, but this is my house. Well, on the other hand, you don't need that house. True, I mean, but it's the same. Is it? Will, will we say it's also valuable as a personal liberty for someone to say, "This is my thing. I am aware that you don't. I can help you financially with that as part of like my on income." Some level. But okay, so there's a there's, there's a, like a limit. Give and take. To give, yeah, you have to find that limit. That's the point that I wanted her to uh, recognize. It's not just everyone should always do something good to help someone. It's that there's a limit, but the intention should be to try to help people as much as you possibly can. 
And I feel like that's a much more nuanced position that makes it more applicable to reality than one where you're constantly having to wake up and help people all day long. There's like a limit there and the exceptions to most rules that we have in our social contracts. Does that make sense? What do you guys feel about that so far? I, I'd be interested in how you guys I like the it. I like the concept. I think the questions you're asking might be a bit too leading. Mm, okay. Um, that was what I was thinking. Sorry. If they might have been... A, more open-ended to get her to to drive towards the com- conclusion rather than trying to to steer it towards it yourself. Okay. Yeah, or I think it's like you want to communi- communicate something of value to her, and she's understanding it. Uh, but I'm wondering, like, what what does she think? What were her ideas okay. before mm-hmm. your ideas? You know. Okay. Okay. Let's get back to the video. Let's see if she does give yeah. her thoughts on it. It'd be interesting. All right. You're comfortable with, and okay. like, yeah, it's your personal body. It's like pain and whatever. What if there was one big god that could just say, "Here's your, here's the list. This is the list of personal rights that you have. I'm perfect. Deal with it." Yeah, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think there would be. If their god came down and said that, and they actually could prove his power, then right. I'd be like, "All right, I was wrong." Are you saying you'd but, rather have a system where people can work out the limits yeah, amongst I mean, themselves? Which is part of democracy. It's like you have to kind of work out the limits of what is and isn't, which is why taxes. It's like, yes, pay more taxes to a point. But at some point, you know, you have to give people incentives to earn more and do okay. stuff. But then well, at some point, like, you have people with a billion dollars that inherit it. Like, sure. what's their motivation to do anything? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like that's where it comes down to. You have to figure out where the middle ground is. So it's important to develop a social contract with people. Yeah, and, it's and like you live out. in a society. Yes. And the thing is, I think people don't understand is if you contribute to society and you're helping the lower, the less educated become more, you're helping society in general. Like people talk about crime, they don't want crime. Well, what causes crime? People that have no hope. If you're not helping them have hope, you're going to get more crime. Okay. And it's like, do you want to live in a society that's completely segregated where you're scared to go in certain areas because of crime? What like, did you say? Religion gives people hope? All right. Sorry, got? no, I just realized now that I uh, probably misspoke earlier in the fact that you actually came with quite extreme examples first and then she was like correcting you. Mm-hmm. But it's like, so it's combined now with your commentary that you wanted her to find the limits that I got like, but then it's just about what you want <laughs> her to think, kind of, was my previous comment. Now I realized that she was like, she was actually finding the like correcting the extreme examples. It's true. If I feel like, so on this day I did 35 interviews with people and there were, I, they're outside a camera, but there are people surrounding the, t- the tent. And so the conversations tend to be a lot more faster paced. I think Ben recognized mm-hmm. this in the study group. It was mm-hmm. less of like the slow and steady approach that we have like with SE and more of like, okay, boom, boom, boom. This is what you believe. Boom, boom, boom. Next person, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. And by the time it was like 20, it's like, okay, all right, argument from incredulity again. All right, so let's do it. Let's go through the, here, the beats, here are the beats, here are the beats, here are the beats. You got it? It's like, yeah, I don't know how to answer that. Great, great. Here's a card. Next, next person, come in, and we'll do it again. So, And that's an excellent point, too, because yeah. there was a uh, – I remember when I was thinking about, shall I go to the quiet sports park mm. where people are kind of like meditatively walking as they – 
would be or I, my other um, option was like a a park where people like they play frisbee and they hang out and they walk and they eat ice cream it's like busier just because I thought in Finland I need to go somewhere where it's really crowded just to get anybody but then I did choose the 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 quiet place so it's just a, a good point also that the environment does affect the conversation mm, that's course. a fantastic and then the p- possibility for the, yeah it's different that's a fantastic something which i really like about this video um and something where i've kind of noticed the value of se it seems to me as if a lot of people are becoming more enamored with black and white thinking Mm. where they take positions but it it has to be all the way on one side of the spectrum or not and it's se is a very useful tool to to tackle that um just talking through it I spoke to a guy uh, about the Alex Jones issue and free speech, and he was saying Alex Jones shouldn't have been kicked off. And as we were talking through this, he admitted um, he doesn't think that anything should be, or any censorship should take place, even to the extreme that uh, he said if somebody stole a bunch of people's details and leaked that onto the internet, that should not be censored. Is so bunch just fruit said that related? No. <laughs> Did I miss it? Was there a steal? Was there a steal? Anyone? No? Okay. Okay. Uh, we could give that to Linda. That what, was, what happened? That was what happened? What completely did you get? Unintentional. All right. Save it Linda for the Not bad. And right. uh, so, so this guy said, you know, this is how I feel, Ben. And uh, I don't know. I think it's, it's important because a lot of other people are attacking free speech and it needs to be defended. So even though he doesn't really... Uh, think that all speech should be absolutely protected. He sees the attacks on free speech as a reason for him to be in this black and white position. All speech should be absolutely protected under all circumstances. And uh, I think thought at least it was uh, from the other conversations that people were having with him on that topic, which became very heated. Ours was meaningful. Ours ended with uh, Jim and me saying, cool, let's go grab a beer and talk about this sometime. I really enjoyed this conversation. So I think that's something that most people can benefit from if they, they look into it a bit. Mm, I agree. I think it's important to, I don't know, try to figure out how your environment does affect how you're asking questions. Think about what your questions can become, quantify your uh, environment, all that stuff. Super, super useful. Um... How about we wrap up the video? So I yeah, think, let's go for it. I think right now yes. what's going on is uh, Melissa and I are working with that extreme example and we're realizing the value of the nuanced position of instead of just, I think we should just be kind to people, period, to there are limits to how kind you should be, but generally that's the target of what you want to be. And it's okay if you're not in certain circumstances, but we need to work out those circumstances. And working out the circumstances as a democracy is better than just getting a list of demands from like a ultimate God, because morality works best when you are considering what the society wants as well. All right, so here is the last of the video. But I don't think people follow the religion the way they even say they do. Like, you know, people aren't very Christ-like, you know. You don't see all the... Christians giving all their money to the poor and helping. I mean, some of them do. I mean, I know people that are and do follow that, but I know a lot of people that are hypocritical. Mm. And yeah, religion may give them hope, but it's like, it's like the hope you want and stuff in that Bible that you're supposed to follow. It's like, 
that's questionable. Mm. Why don't you have hope in other people? Do stuff for other people. So you're not just saying hope generally. You're saying hope in other people. Yes, yeah, like you have to work together. A book is not going to solve your problem. Community, like building yeah. community, social aspects. That's more fundamental than just having hope. Yeah. Okay, okay. One last question? Sure. What happens to you when you die? Aren't you scared? Aren't you're you terrified? Gone. Well, the thing is, you're just gone. What? You're, you're just saying you live and that's it? How that dare you? It. And once you're dead, what do you care? You're dead. You don't know anything anymore. It's like, yeah, as, as your living person, like, it's kind of scary. I'm not here anymore, but it's like, sure. I wasn't here for billions of years. I won't be here for billions of years after. You know what's terrifying to me is living literally forever, never being able to die, because then everything around me loses value because I know it'll always be there or have some sort of experience or stimuli there. And it'll be like, the fact that it's limited and temporary is what gives it value, and that's what I find beautiful behind a short-term life. And, and it's not so much that I know I won't be here, it's just I don't know what happens after I'm dead Nothing. until I have better evidence for it. I just think you just don't exist anymore. You Probably, don't care because yeah. you don't exist. Yeah, at that point, who knows what it's happens. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a better thing than uh, worrying about going to hell anyway. It's like, well, you're just dead. Like, It's like going to sleep. Okay. You don't know what happens when you're asleep. You're just asleep, and then you're just gone. If you... If, if, your impression is you're dead once you're dead. Do you think there's any sort of like inherent justice in the universe? And no. does that make you not feel good about how the universe was put into place or anything like that? I think it just is what it is. It's like, <laughs> you know, try and be a good person, be nice to other people, make their lives better. Okay. And, you know, live until you're dead. To what end? Why not? Because why would you want it to be more pleasant for everybody? It's like if it's pleasant for everybody, it's pleasant for you. True. But if you're making people miserable, then would you be a little bit miserable? I mean, I guess some people don't care if they make other people miserable. No, I think some people get off on it all the time, some too. Some people do. But very, very few, and nobody likes those people anyway. Yeah. They are living in their own hell just being themselves. I think most people just want to make, you know. Yeah. But then people get caught up in their own happiness and ignore the people which are That's very true. So it's always a limit. Yeah. One last question. How, like, I guess, and I normally ask this question at the beginning, but, like, say from a scale from, like, zero to 100% as far as confidence goes, how confident are you that no God exists? I would say about 99%. That's a perfect answer, I think. I just, only in a sense of you're not absolute. You can't be absolute on anything. Very good. I don't know everything, absolutely. Very good. I'm not that smart. <laughs> hey, that was a great chat. Cece, it was nice to meet you. Cece, you sign language we need to talk to you. Thank you so much for that chat. I really appreciate it. Okay, final take-homes. What do excellent, you guys think? Tyrone. It's This is not the excellent Tyrone show or the excellent Linda or the excellent Ben. This is the league. And we're here for constructive feedback, not pat on the backs. What do you guys think? Uh, what do you think? But I do improved? think, with your goal being that uh, you want to talk to, be able to talk to anybody about anything, I think you're really um, effective in that. Mm. And here, like, I just was thinking that as it ended, and I always just feel so happy after watching your um, videos. And I think it doesn't really matter who is talking to who about what. Uh, no matter how much you guys agree or don't disagree, it always feels good because you are actually talking and communicating and it's like a thought uh, through dialogue. Mm. There's a really cool guy on the uh, SE League training grounds, which is like this messenger group for uh, guys who enjoy constructive feedback about the content that they produce. Um, he had this really cool idea where you know how SE is like one tool in a box of tools that you have 
when you try to have a conversation with someone. He had he has a tool that is like SE, but it's basically the exact same thing as SE. That's called like the pebbling aspect, which is trying to ask a question that sticks with the person that you're talking to after the conversation's over. So like if SE, the goal is to like try to get to the underground foundation and try to discover what that foundation is and determine if it's reliable. The concept of pebbling <coughs> is try to have a conversation with someone where you can ask a meaningful question that sticks with them until even after the conversation's over. And I found like all those tools in the box are wonderful. And I also like the concept of pebbling as far as like a, uh, a an easier thing to look up on the internet and not get, you know, the Peter Bogosian book, which is totally fine. It's a good book. All the baggage. But you don't yeah. get the baggage with it when you when when you describe what you're doing as pebbling. It sounds way less intimidating, and I think it gets the concept more across, more closer, or like more accurately, more quickly than street epistemology, which is also a good thing. Mm. So. It also doesn't have the the concept of there's a lot of you know what do you call it uh, <coughs> acronyms and so like sorry. inside lingo of like interlocutors which is totally a fine word to say but if someone called me that like four years ago I'd be like would you just call me <laughs> huh what was that word so like um, I think whatever you want to call it because it's all just apples and uh, well, I, was, I just had apples and I didn't mean apples, to say apples apples dang apples it, apples, it, apples. It, I was just waiting all right for Linda, got, it. got it was that your secret um, card. Then I got them apples. No, but I'm just calling it out. Okay, cool. I'm first. glad I caught myself. I didn't even I didn't even mean to say that, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's all it's all more or less various things or various perspectives on more or less the same thing, which is trying to talk to people about anything in a way that doesn't get them to be closed minded and trying to open up their mind a little mm. bit. And I think as long as we can do that, and it's it's important. Yeah, it's very important to have those various ways of approaching it. Mm. Um, if you have this idea of there's just this one right way of having a conversation, that's that's going to stand in your way. Right. Uh, you need to, apply to you need to adjust your your approach to to fit whatever conversation you're having and and the person you're talking to. And not only that, but like the environment that you're doing it in too. I think that what we discovered also requires different approaches. Um, and I would also say there's a really cool video of a guy who's interrogating a killer. Uh, a murderer and he has a very distinct approach that's very similar to SE where he is asking questions he's pausing he's never targeting the person he's talking to with his methods and his strategy if you watch the full video isn't so much I'm trying to get to a deeper level of your understanding it's I'm trying to talk to you in a way that doesn't make you get defensive I'm going to use a goal-oriented approach to get there where it's we both want this thing which is we both want to like resolve this situation What's a way that we can work together towards we guess getting this as a team? Like you and me, you the killer, me the cop. How can we get this information that we need so that we can, you know, help these families that are in pain and stuff like that? And he never puts any guilt on the other guy, but he just handles the conversation well. His body language is amazing. Um, I posted some pictures on that. This really, really high level stuff. And I'm beginning to realize from the talks that I've been doing and getting some feedbacks from like people in the sales salesmen's divisions or like selling divisions or people in politics or this interrogator or with Chris's idea of pebbling and then Ant's street epistemology like there are a lot of different tools that are available to us that we can learn from each other to make this approach or this overall goal that we have with trying to get through to people's self-defense mechanisms 
um, more effective and more optimal. Like there's a lot of room for us to grow. And I think it's really cool that we're in it at this level because there's so much work that needs to be done, but there's so much fun things that we can discover along the way. And that's why I'm happy I got mm. you guys with me too. Yay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool guys. All right. So how And I just think for, for me this uh, strawberry um oh shoot. You want who wants that one? <laughs> what is that even? Linda's <laughs> <laughs> brain just broke for a bit. I, I started this game so good, too good. So now it's just it's now you're just making a straw man berry of yourself. Uh, I, yes. I'll give Linda strawberry. <laughs> strawberry. Linda gets strawberry. Uh, berry. All right. So how about this? Let's unlock the vault and close up the show. How about that? Okay. No. All right. Cool. All right. Get our hands on the guards. Let's do it a lot easier this time, guys. Oh, there we go. Nice. See, we just needed that little bit of a warm up. That's all. Anyway, so at the beginning of the show... I don't know who's winning, but Ben, can you help me keep track of the score? I'll just go through them one by one. Yeah. All right. So at the top of the show, I said it's important to speak to no matter, matter what. Speak to matter what. Or tomato. Tomato. That's tomato. Or I say tomato. tomato. It doesn't matter. But tomatoes are fruits. That counts at the top. Then later on in the show, I said, um, yeah, it's really important to be less ambiguous, less gray. People don't like that. Grape. Grape. Pe grape. Grape. Grape is a fruit, too. <laughs> ben got... Uh, these are things that anyone who like re-listens to the show can like check out. Because whenever we say something a little bit random or makes no sense, <laughs> and we all not. <laughs> it's no, like, no, what's going on there? Anyway. You get so excited. You show too much passion through this. Passion fruit. <laughs> I didn't catch that, but that was great. Passion through this. Nice. Boom. Okay. So then I said, yeah, it doesn't matter what you believe in, you know, gods, fairies, dragons. Fruit is the bit of the show, though, right? Just catching up. And dragon fruit. Dragon fruit. Dragon fruit's a fruit, too. <laughs> I had to go exotic because I didn't know what was on your sinker cards. We should um, reveal them at the end of the show. But, uh, Ben, you have the next one. So, uh, I was talking about the guy who spoke to me, and he said, Ben and... Uh... Ben, Anna. <laughs> nice. I'm playing the, the accent god for all that it's worth. <laughs> and then Linda called out Bunch, and we'll give her that. It's fruit related. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> then um, at, when she made the point of you have to be aware that your environment can reflect how well you can do SC, I said, yeah, it's important to think about your environment, think about what your questions will become, quantify your environment which made no sense whatsoever, but you guys are both smiling and nodding anyway, so it must have been pretty good. But in there is become quantify or come quant, come quat. And come quat's a fruit too. All right. I think we're going to have to review that one. Come quat's a fruit. Go on ahead. Look it up. Look it up. And then um, apple call out when I said, I was going to say apples and oranges or like apples and apples, but then I didn't mean to like say apples at all. Linda, you called me out on that. Ben, what's this next one? I said yeah, it's very important to have various techniques. <laughs> Bury us. <laughs> That's just a bad dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then Linda just straight up said strawberry at the end of the show. <laughs> I was going for strawberry, strawberry blonde, but... 
Man, I've, I think this uh, um, game is more difficult now. I'm, I'm, I'm learning something about myself, and that's like I'm really serious game player in the sense like I think it, like you, it can't just like or, 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 or there's something about words like you can't just like recreate them. You can't do it, Ben and uh, and call it a banana. <laughs> it's just not right. Like I'm, I'm a really learning like, from Thai. So I'm absolutely innocent uh, in this. Somewhere. Okay, so just one quick pause. Gonna come right back in, return the room. Okay, cool. So uh we will then uh get ready to close up the show. What was the final score, Ben? Did you have that? It was uh free for Linda. Three for Linda. If we count count that pretty Ooh. point at the end. Very well done. <laughs> okay. Three for Ben. Three for Ben. And I broke it with Comquant, which still isn't a word, but we'll give it to him. What was my final score? Four. Whoa! <laughs> that was a closer competition than I was expecting. I was coasting at the end because I thought I had it, but you guys were... Really going. The Let, other things I had on my list. Humans. So I made a little list of like phrases I could say and get away with it. And I was like, how can I sneak watermelon into the conversation? And that was the wardest one for me. Anyway. That would have been impressive. It would have been impressive. Anyway, what was on your sneaker cards? Um uh, Barry. Oh, you said your own sneaker card? What are you doing? That's how I roll. I knew none of you were going to say it. <laughs> Linda, what was, what was on your Kiwi? Kiwi. If, if Linda, if you just called out Linda Strawberry, you would have had two points. Oh no, I couldn't do it. It's okay. It's okay. Oh yeah, it's got a berry in it. You stinker. Aww. Anyway, it's been okay. That makes happy humans uh, update their score to three. Woohoo! Happy humans. Uh, casual canines, you guys got one point. Arf, arf, arf. <laughs> <laughs> and the Nordic Neckos, you're on the board yeah. still with one point. Meow. Awesome. All right, so that is the show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, next week, or next time that we do the show, we're going to go through Linda's videos, which are going to be really, really cool, because you just started oh, your first outdoor SE adventure, right? Yes, I did. I went out. I was nervous. I didn't even have a whiteboard. I just used this, like, thingamabob I had, but it didn't matter. I had my two cameras. I had great weather. Nice. Um, and one of the beautiful, just, most beautiful AC locations I've ever seen. It was really, really yeah, nice. It was really nice. nice. And it was one like of this the best intersection between four trails. And then also, like, I learned I've got heaps of, like, uh, preconceptions about fins and bad ideas that weren't true at all. I had like four people lined up. Wow. Like they just came boom, 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 boom. The first person came like uh, about five minutes before I had even set up everything. And I let her sit in my uh, chair, of course, or her chair at that moment. Aww. And I gave her some coffee. So she was like waiting for me to put the like cameras on and everything. So and then it was like four people in a row. And okay. then when they were gone, I was like, what just happened? And <laughs> 
And I said this uh, quite recently that just to let people know that the night before, because I packed everything, I was like, I've got to go. I've got to do this now. And the night before, I was like, why am I doing this? Why do I like a sea? Yeah, I don't need to change the world. I can just stay home and not do it. But then I was like, but you've got to do it. Right. And then I did it. And then right after it, like when everything was over, I was like, man, I want to do this again. And yes. you know, now I'm really like, come on. Right. Let's get the conversations going. So I really, really, really encourage people to just go out. If you've got that same feeling like, no, this is not worth it, it is worth it. Fun. The power to be able Absolutely. to talk to anyone about anything. It's incredible. Um, mm-hmm. That's such a positive note, and I can't wait to see what you'll come up with on the next episode of Losers League of SC <laughs> Reviewers. Let's go! All right, so let's close out the show with our catchphrase. I am both rubber and... Wait a second. Nordic Neko's was on the point with one point. You got to do the Nordic Neko team noise. We got to get it. The Nordic accent, meow. Oh, okay, cool, great, great, great. Um, <laughs> where's uh, we we now uh, do? But what something. about our prizes? Yeah, the draft. I forgot about that. So here are the options: you can either promote a video, uh, get the final word, or shamelessly plug yourself. Um, since I got the first point or I get the high score, um, I'm going to promote a video. There is a video that we're going to put in the link in the description that links to that interrogator's talk that he has with a, uh, a murderer. Um, it's dark at first, but what I really want to highlight is his approach towards getting the information he needs from the guy and how he mirrors the body language throughout, how he never makes the conversation confrontational, even though he, the murderer knows this guy's a cop and the cop knows this guy's the murderer. How they talk with each other and how they get over each other's defenses is really, really amazing. And I, there's a method There's a method behind how the guy's doing it. And I think if you've seen a couple of SE videos, you'll be really interested in keying in on the techniques that he's using. I think it's a really well done um, conversation. And there's a guy who's like on a narrator breaking down each of the things that he's doing at the same time too. We'll put the link in the description. Check it out. It's a really, really good show. Anyway. Could you just repeat the name of it? Uh, I don't have it on the top of my tongue, but I'm sorry. it will be in the description. I guarantee you that. So uh, go ahead and check that out. Yeah. All right. Uh, who, Ben or Linda, what would you guys like to do? I would I like want to. the last word. Oh, okay. okay. And then so I would like to shamelessly plug Ben and this <laughs> new show called, or I don't know if it's a new show, but they um, – Ben met up with Anthony Magnabosco on the Switch, and I listened to it this morning, and it's a nice long show. Like, it was an hour, an hour and a half, yeah. and it was just jam-packed with really good points and ideas. Were you four guys talking? Yes. That's what I thought I heard, and it was just, like, really nice. And for anybody who is interested in uh, street epistemology, starting out or maybe being in it for a while – I just really loved that um, show. It was really good because it it was it had lots of levels. It had Anthony has who's done this for a really long um, time and speaks really um, eloquently about it. And then you, Ben, you're the, like you've got the smarts and you've got the understanding <laughs> and that sweet soft voice. And it was Aww. just <laughs> you do. You other guys were good too. I loved that show, The Switch. Cool. It was about how you, how we change our minds. And before Ben goes into the final word and closes out the show with our catchphrase, I just want to say the video's name is oh 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 oh. Give me one second. The the video's name is the confession 
the fifth estate. So if you search on YouTube, the confession, the fifth estate, you will find that interrogation video. And we'll also put a link in the description. Ben, all up to you to close the show. Cool. Last words. I love you guys the mostest. Street Epistemology is a technique by Dr. Peter Bogosian in his book, A Manual for Creating Atheists, and his Android and iOS app, Atheos.